Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery, America's nightly voice for recovery. We are on the road in Denver, Colorado at the 40th Annual Conference of NAATP, the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. Our broadcast presented by Sundown M Ranch, treating individuals, adolescents, and families for over 50 years, over 200,000 strong. Joining us in this segment is Marvin Ventrell, he is the executive director, and this is our third go-around with Marvin. When we first met, he was brand new to the organization, and so much has happened in three years. Marv, welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. Thanks. I'm tired. Holy smokes. You should be. You're running all the time. Yeah, we're running all the time. We're really proud of it, though. We, it needs to be done that the, the industry got into a bad way, and we, uh, we can help there. Let's first of all give a thumbnail of NAATP for people who are unfamiliar with the organization. Thanks, yeah. Well, let me also just say thank you for what you do for the recovery community and, and your station and Sundown M Ranch and Scott Munson on our board of directors who, uh, who brings you here. You're, you're really valuable to us well, and you help get the word out. So thank you first of all for that and thanks for having me. So yeah, well, NAATP, the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, is the National Trade Association for Addiction Treatment Providers, which is mostly treatment centers, what we normally think of as residential addiction treatment, but it's everybody who does licensed addiction treatment along what we call the continuum of care from start to finish. There actually is no finish. Recovery is a lifelong journey, but it starts with wanting help and getting help with detox and then moving in to, into the care process, and so, so we, we were founded 40 years ago. This is our 40th anniversary. This is our 40th anniversary celebration, and, you know, it's a mixed kind of emotion because there's a lot to be happy about. There's a lot to be proud about. We've come a long way, and I can talk about a couple of those ways that we've mm -hmm. come along, but what's happened is that... Um, uh, the field has become what uh, what uh, investors and people who want to make a bunch of money see as a growth industry, and that's brought in less than altruistic folks. But nonetheless, NAATP's been here through ups and downs for 40 years. 40 years. I get into the field three years before yeah. NAATP you don't, started. You don't. I don't want to tell you how old I am, but... No, you don't look it. <laughs> um, and, and I've seen the ups and downs of this of this association, and right now it's on a skyrocketing up. Uh, the, the energy, the enthusiasm, the passion, everyone coming together. I mean, there's kind of a forest fire raging right now of some very unscrupulous individuals and treatment programs. The opioid crisis is spawning a lot of get-rich-quick treatment centers, and it's bad. 
It is bad, and even though it's a very small, really, statistically, it is a very small minority of folks who do these bad things who we refer to as bad actors, but they so profoundly impact the message, what people hear about, and they cause so much harm, even though they're few in numbers, that it has uh, created a, a real problem and it has besmirched the, the name of the good provider. And you know what? Uh, you know, you, you, you let me talk about this, but a lot of the media, certainly the mainstream media, wants to tell about the horror stories, but they hardly ever add in, yeah, and there's a whole bunch of people yeah. saving people's lives every day. That's who we are, you know, and so um, it was kind of a perfect storm of things that happened. Some of it was really good stuff, but with unintended consequences. So we got recognition societally, medically, psychologically, politically, that addiction is a disease. It's a disease and it's a healthcare issue and it's, it's a, a medical disease with biological, psychological, social and spiritual components. We, we understand treatment, we understand what recovery is and we're able to do more than ever and 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 wreck that recognition combined with medical advances combined with the opioid crisis that brought lots of attention brings in interest in making money now treatment centers can make money treatment centers should make money because they need to pay their people and they need to have good services and and so that it's not the making of money that's a problem it's obscene margins and unfair practices and insurance fraud billing and, um, predatory practices. Yeah, yeah, predatory practices, predatory web practices, yeah. deceiving people online. And so we decided, you know, so my team came in three years ago. I'm the fourth tenured director in the history of the association. I'm honored to do it. I have a background in law and, and, and systems and association management. So we brought in a whole new team. You know, I'm real proud of our team. We've turned this thing around. Uh, made NAATP very relevant again, and we're making a difference through what we call the Quality Assurance Initiative, which addresses all of these things we're talking that about. That was introduced here at the conference. Yeah, we've been talking about it and getting ready to launch it. It has as its principal foundation the new ethics code. We call it Ethics Code 2.0. But what we had to do was define ethical behavior. Shame, right? Why, why should you have to define right and wrong, but you do? And so now there's a standard set of standards out there that we've promulgated that says, look, here's the stuff you can't do, not the least of which is patient brokering or what we sometimes call bro body brokering. Explain that for our listeners. Well, so people need treatment, right? And, and they're desperate and they're confused. They don't understand the disease. Their families are, are in crisis. And these people come in, these predators, and say, you know, I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you into treatment. And they make a deal with an unscrupulous treatment center to, that pays them for bringing in the patient. They're brokering a body. Healthcare cannot be achieved through patient brokering. It's it's against the ethical and legal rules and everything else. Because in the, just so you understand, a clinical decision needs to be made. Somebody, a, a patient who is sick, needs to be evaluated and sent to what he or she needs, not who's paying the damn mm -hmm. uh, broker. And that's what happened. And mm. people have been taken to horrible places. Sometimes they've been taken to where there's not even a place so that their insurance could be built. And people have literally died of of overdoses and lack of care as a result of this. Marvin Ventrell joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. He is the Executive Director of NAATP, the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. These are the worst of times. These are the best of times because people are pulling together. The organization itself is better and is smaller. You have eliminated 10 members for the behavior that we're just talking about. Yes, it's an unusual move for a trade association yeah. to de 
decrease its membership and its revenue significantly, but we, we, we dishonor the good provider if we associate with unscrupulous um, uh, providers. And so we made the decision to, <clears throat> to identify these folks and, you know, look, these are our values and, and you don't share them, so, you know, go off and do what you got to do, but, but you're not welcome here. You, you talked about the outcome study. Yeah. This is something that's been going on since you, your team first took over. You got to be proud of what's happening. Oh, so proud. Jessica Swan is our outcomes manager. We also have a team of researchers at Omni Institute, PhD researchers. And one of the things, well, here, let me say this. There's some bad things happening in the industry, and, and it's just because of bad actors. But I will also be self-critical. Our industry didn't do some of the things it needed to do early on. And one of those things was measure our outcomes so that we could say to people, look, treatment works, right? right? And we have a responsibility to validate our outcomes just like uh, diabetes or, or cancer or heart disease. And so we've engaged, it's complicated though because this is a behavioral health disorder, right? And, and so it's a little more difficult to measure. It's a lot more difficult to measure. But what we can do is begin a scientific process uh, that follows uh, research protocols on human subjects. And so we did this, we went big. This is a big research project, three years in the making. It's concluding now. And eight of our treatment centers came forward and uh, volunteered their data so that we could track people for a year and see how they did. Hmm. What happens from this point on? We published the results. So we're waiting for the final report. I've seen some of the numbers. I'm excited about them. So we'll see. It's going to, you know, this is what's called an, an, a, a pilot program. And what that means is that we're going to work to validate an instrument so that it works. And what we, we've done some things right and we've done some things wrong. That's what happens in a pilot. Now we can correct those and we can produce what we're calling the outcomes toolkit and this is this is huge it's never existed this document this toolkit which will be released by the end of the year will provide our treatment centers with the ability to track their outcomes so we'll say here it is it's a scientific validated process you can use this to track your outcomes under a national standard that everybody is using and again nothing like that has ever happened it's a big deal marv tell me about uh, the conference in particular uh, how many registrations do you have uh, I, I, the exhibit hall is just bursting at the seams we couldn't even get everybody in hundreds um wow in, in, and so um this is good see there's so much good happening so what you what isn't it funny neil <laughs> that you start doing good and, and it's contagious because yeah. bad is contagious yeah. but yeah. good is contagious too and so um you know, uh, we have uh, approximately 700 attendees. And keep in mind, this is a leadership conference, so these are the leaders uh, around the country of addiction treatment. There's other conferences for primary education for much of the workforce, critically important. Uh, our piece is to, is to lead with leadership instruction and uh, guidance. And so that's a big group yeah, of leaders. Yeah. And, and despite the folks that we have uh, no longer associated with, our conference in, uh, numbers have increased and our membership has increased. We've more than made up for it. It is the most important conference of its kind in the country. Uh, and this particular conference had a surprise visit from John Oliver. <laughs> you know, I, John Oliver did a show just the other night, you know, uh, um, last week tonight, John Oliver on HBO and it was Sunday night and he aired an indictment of the addiction treatment industry. Mm. And he's a comedian, and, and, and much of it was funny. And, fair and, or unfair? 
It, it was it was fair in part. It was fair in that it, it correctly identified these charlatans who are doing these bad things, and they are not NAATP members, by the way. I want to shout that Good. from the rooftop. None of them. What he didn't do, and again, it's a it's a show. It's a comedy show. It was perhaps not his point, but you know, I, I wish he had said. And by the way. The entire industry is not like this. There's really good people out there who save lives, and um, we got to get back to that. But he did mention us. He mentioned the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, and the quote was something very much like this. NAATP, he said, hey, look, look, audience, even the, trade, the National Trade Association for Addiction Treatment Providers acknowledges that there are serious problems in some sectors. And that's right. And so you know, some of my members were like kind of, oh, my God, did you see this? Did you see what happened on John Oliver? And I said, hey, folks, this is good. Right? He's just telling the truth, and he's saying that we acknowledge the problem. I'll tell you what would be bad, Neil, is if we pretended it yeah. didn't exist or yeah. said, no, 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 we're fine. That would be the problem. So I, so I'm good with it. You know, I talked to the producer ahead of time, and I gave her a lot of information that I wish she'd have used that was good. But, you know, it's their program. Let's listen to a little bit of John Oliver right now from the HBO weekly series. Thankfully, there is now a broader understanding that addiction is complex and that nothing about getting off alcohol or drugs is easy. Experts now view addiction as a medical problem, often likened to a disease or a chronic condition, and a common way of treating it is through stints in rehab. It is a $35 billion industry with over 14,000 rehab facilities across the United States, some of which have fancy names like promises or passages or milestones. You know, names that sound like perfumes worn exclusively by widows. Now, in recent years, it has gotten easier to get insurance to pay for rehab. That's largely thanks to the fact that George W. Bush passed and Barack Obama expanded laws requiring health insurers to increase co coverage for it. But while we use rehab as a shorthand, it is worth knowing that there is no set definition for what it should consist of. In fact, there are no federal standards for counseling practices or rehab programs. And while many rehabs are staffed by people doing their best to help, a report a few years ago found that the vast majority of people in need of addiction treatment do not receive anything that approximates evidence-based care. But it's not just passages. Lots of rehabs feel free to make suspiciously impressive claims, as one researcher found out. We called inpatient programs and asked them what their success rate was. And the lowest rate we got quoted was 80%. You know, I do know that about 80% of the clients who have come in here are now sober long term. We've had about an 80% success rate here at 180. And then we would ask, and on what data do you base that? And no one had any data. They had no hard data to back up their claims. And at that point, why even stop at 80%? Why not say you have a 140% success rate? For every 10 people that come into our facility, 14 emerge completely sober. Where did those extra four people come from? We have no idea. That's how good we are. And that's the thing. Rehab success rates are often based on self-reported statistics involving them simply calling former clients. And those results can be problematic. In many states, the barrier to opening a rehab can be dangerously low. For example, in Idaho, as long as you are not operating a residential program for adolescents, you don't need a license at all. In California, as long as you take private pay clients, Anyone can start an outpatient rehab center. And in Florida, if you want to open a sober home, a group home where people stay, often while they receive outpatient treatment, there is nothing in state law to stop you. Technically, O.J. Simpson could open one right now, which would obviously be called the juice cleanse, and there would be nothing standing in his way. 
So much about battling addiction is really hard. Getting clean is hard. Staying clean is hard. But getting good, evidence-based, trustworthy help should be the easy part. And right now, it is way too easy to literally wind up pissing money up King Wall. We're in Denver, Colorado at the 40th Annual Conference of NAATP, National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. Marvin Ventrell is joining us. Uh, he is the executive director. People are coming together behind all of this and creating good out of bad. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's hard to time the reform, right? So we've known about this problem and we've been working on it, but we came out in a massive way this weekend and, and spoke our truth. I've been saying that, and you know, that's a phrase in human development. You gotta speak your truth to be a person of integrity, but an association needs to speak its truth to be an association and a field of integrity. And so, you know, we've come out and said these bold things about removing members, we're not for everybody. You don't belong here if you cheat and lie and steal. And our field has responded marvelously. When I made these bold announcements this weekend, the response was overwhelmingly positive, you know, unanimously positive. Nobody has suggested otherwise, and people are gratified. And I, I, this is going to pull the field together yeah, again, Neil. Absolutely. NAATP is built on mission, vision, and values. Talk a little bit about each of those. Yes, I mean, in, in just very, you know, we all have mission statements and they're fancy, but at the, at the end of the day, our mission is to enhance, create, and nurture the best addiction treatment in the country and grow that addiction treatment so that it's available to the most people. Because most people are still not getting the care they need. The statistic is that only about 10% of the people in this country that suffer from what uh, technically is considered substance use disorder, SUD, only about 10% receive dedicated care, and that's outrageous and appalling. Compare that to diabetes, where uh, diabetic patients, 80% uh, of diabetic patients who need care receive it. Likewise, insurance doesn't cover uh, addiction as well as it needs to. There's a huge, uh, what we call, treatment gap coverage between how insurance, health insurance pays for most medical issues compared to the low rate that it pays for addiction, and we got to change that. Tell me about the vision. Well, the vision is to be the voice of reason and the voice of ethics and the voice of progress and best practices in this field. And simultaneously with doing good is, is doing the substantive things that, that create that. And so our vision is to be that association. Um, that's the vision I see in the morning is, is our association um, as a bright shining light for the field. And the values? Well, our values are at our core and without our values we have no purpose. Um, if we don't believe in, the, in human decency and fairness and the integrity of the human being and the value of every human being to recover from a disease, then we're not doing our job and we do believe in that. Values-based treatment is the, is, is the word of the day. How do you approach this work? Your values need to be honorable. You can be a business. The addiction treatment is a business. Hell, hospitals are a business. Mm -hmm. But it needs to come from an altruistic place. The goal has to be 
to help the patient and every change needs to be to help the patient and you can figure out how to do that in good business models. If your uh, motive is to simply increase as much profit from the center as possible, that's not our value. What do you see happening in the next year? What do you want to see happen in the next year? Well, we continue to roll out the QAI, the Quality Assurance Initiative. So our ethics code is now out there and two big pieces are coming. The biggest one that I would mention here is the QAI guidebook, the Quality Assurance Guidebook, and it's going to be a manual for all addiction treatment centers to operate ethically with good business practices. It lists what we call the competencies, approximately nine broad competencies with 29 guidelines total within those competencies that say, here's what you do to do good, to run a good center, and here's what you have to do in order to be an NAATP member. This is the 40th annual conference. The 41st will be next year in Washington, D.C. at the Shoreham Hotel, which is significant to me because the first conference I ever went to was at the Shoreham, 1976, and I was involved in a program called Operation Understanding, where the 52 prominent people stood up and publicly for the first time talked about their alcoholism, their treatment, and their recovery. Dick Van Dyke, Mercedes McCambridge, Harold Hughes, and there were maybe a half a dozen to maybe ten prominent people. Dana Andrews, who was an actor at the time. And the other 40 to 45 people were celebrities and famous people within their industry, within their sphere of influence. For example, in the insurance industry, uh, 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 Jim Kemper uh, was, was one of the 52. And, and as he spoke out publicly about his uh, disease, his treatment, and his recovery, people in the insurance industry would say, if he has the guts and courage to stand up and say that, Maybe there's something I can do about my drinking. So that was at the Shoreham Hotel back in 1976. So I'm as excited as hell to, to, to be there next year and, and, to, uh, and to, to move this forward yet another step. We're taking small steps. We're taking significant steps. We're taking important steps. And, and you are the captain of the ship. Well, you're very kind. It takes a village. We are a team. Your and, team is great, but and, your staff, right. give a shout-out there, for goodness well, sake. Well, you know, look, my goal in, in doing my job as director is to make sure I hire people who are smarter than me. And some people would say that's not that hard, but these are amazing people. They're super smart. They're super hard. I say there's three values or there's three things that you have to have in place to work for the National Association. One is you have to be have high intelligence. Um, the other is you have to have a strong work ethic. And the third is you have to operate with values of human decency and caring for one another. Um, and, and, and all of our staff has that. Katie Strand, the director oh, of operations, wow. has been my partner in this process from the beginning. And, um, you know, she if I, it, we wouldn't be here without her. And every mm. person that we've added has added, uh, has lifted us up. Peter Thomas, the new quality assurance officer, is a wonderful young man. Who is, who is picking us up and he knows so much and he works so hard and he cares so much and, and the support staff, Kayla Hewitt and Tiffany Rohde, um, you know, it, well, Mark Dunn is our public policy director in Washington, D.C. The policy advocacy piece is so important, which is why mm -hmm. we're going to Washington. What you told me just now gave me chills when about the folks that came forward back yeah. then and that it was at the Shoreham. I didn't know that. And, and you know, courage is contagious. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, you know, the, the unethical behavior is contagious, but courage and decency is contagious, too. We all move forward together. 
it's got to be together. You know, you don't recover from this disease by yourself. Right, and right. You don't run this work by yourself. Right. Mark Ventrell, uh, nice enough to join us for a few moments uh, to talk about the conference, to talk about the organization, to talk about the state of the field. And, you know, in, in some ways, it's like we've met the enemy and it's us, but we're purging out the bad guys, the bad actors. Next year, it's maybe even a little bit smaller. Who knows? Yeah. If you're not a part of the solution, you're part of the problem. No doubt. But and and you're right. And if that if we need to get smaller to get better, that's fine. Uh, we'll we'll do it. But I got to tell you, the organic growth that is coming from doing the right stuff and and removing the the bad eggs is exceeding the removals. Yes, yeah. it's wow. That's I cool. get a lot of calls around the country saying, "How do you find a good treatment center?" And I tell them two things. I say, first of all, are they a member of NAATP? If not, why not? And secondly. Find a treatment center that has a low turnover ratio in terms of staffing. Those are two things that I go by, but number one is NAATP. And if there's a, if the people out there right now listening that uh, may be considering a treatment program that's not NAATP member, uh, find out why not. Sure. You know, and go to our addiction industry directory. It's called the AID Addiction Industry Directory. Which, again, is a new... Uh, yeah, we've, we've launched that, too. So the goal there is, look, you, we've got to have a reliable place mm. where people can go and payers can go and politicians can go and families can go to find uh, who the good providers are. So NAATP.org, and you'll find our AID, the Addiction Industry Directory, and you'll see a comprehensive listing of all of our provider members, and it's transparent. Part of the problem is the advertising by these charlatans is not transparent. You can't tell who they are and where they are and what they do. This is the opposite of that. You will read everything about these treatment centers, where they're located, what services they offer, who their staff is. It identifies the CEO, yeah. you know, and that's a big deal. And so go there. Yeah, I want all good centers to come into the fold and be part of this association. The future must start now. It, it has, and I, you know, it's hard to stay positive and play the long game yeah. when this stuff's going on, but we're already seeing returns, and it feels good to do right. Absolutely. I thank you for your time. I thank you for this great conference and your leadership in this field. You're very kind. I'm happy to do this. The bright side of addiction is, in fact, recovery. Pass it on. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. Short time out. We'll be back with more right after this. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. She has always been your baby, but when your daughter got into drugs and alcohol, she turned into a stranger. What do you do? Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized youth treatment program guides young people back to a life free of drugs and alcohol. All treatment is gender specific and directed by caring certified professionals in a safe environment. You can get your daughter back and get to know her again. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Your daughter's wasted. Again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes and off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later... 
The police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. We welcome you back to Recovery Coast to Coast. We welcome you back to Denver, Colorado. We're broadcasting from the 40th Annual Conference of the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, NAATP. They've been around for 40 years. They have a national leadership conference every year. This one happens to be in Denver, and it brings together really the top treatment programs in all of America. The topic this year, Facing Quality Assurance, our broadcast, by the way, presented by Sundown M Ranch there in Yakima, Washington, successfully treating individuals, adolescents, and families for over 50 years, sundown.org. My next guest can actually go 10 years better than 50 years <laughs> because uh, um, she hasn't been there for 60 years. But the program is Beacon House. That has been in Pacific Grove, California for the last 60 years helping people. In fact, the history on this has to do with one of my mentors in this field, which was Marty Mann. Laura Niedringhouse joins us. Welcome and tell us a little bit about uh, Beacon House. Thank you for having me, Neil. Uh, the Beacon House is a wonderful jewel in the community because we've helped generations of families. So people love to come through the doors, and we still have three open AA meetings available in the carriage house to the public as well as the residents attend. So we're the first 12-step-based treatment facility in the United States. Wow and the second oldest treatment facility in the United States. And the history goes back to Marty Mann, who was the first woman to stay sober in the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, and she was also the executive director of the National Council on Alcoholism. I had the, uh, the privilege and honor of working with Marty in the early days. I want to say, I don't want to say how long I've been in the field, but it's longer than NAATP has been in operation. Let's just put it that way. But Beacon House, Marty had a great love for that, for that area up there and obviously a great love for, uh, for alcoholics and getting them sober. Her stamp must be on your program. It is. And actually, she just she knew the right people, uh, the people that came into the community that started Pebble Beach, that mm. were very influential in bringing the community of Monterey Peninsula, the hospital, Chomp Hospital, to the community. And along with that, she knew that having a treatment facility in the community was very important. Yeah. So she was someone who knew how to make things happen and get people motivated and, and change the stigma, everything that's surrounding mental illness as well as the alcoholism. And so she's a big presence in the Beacon House. And just like I said, she knew the right people. And today, it's still we're celebrating 60 years because wow. of that vision. It's in Pacific Grove, and for people who are like myself, geographically challenged, uh, that's in the Monterey area, correct? That's in the Monterey Peninsula. Oh, what a beautiful area! Oh my it goodness! Is. Tell me about this facility. We actually were located in 1958 in a different location, and then we were gifted the house. It's a, a historical home. Um, and we were gifted the home in 1962, but we opened our doors in 58. You're a nonprofit organization. We're a nonprofit organization, and it's a beautiful historical Victorian home. 
um, and it serves 20, it's a 22 bed facility. And women. Men and women. Mm -hmm. We separate the men and women by floors. And never the twain shall meet, I assume. We, we make sure that, you know, we do everything we can to yeah. keep it separate and they can fellowship, but that's it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, it's, it's Beacon House. Uh, Laura Niedringhouse is joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast, Business Development and Outreach Director. What is your role? What do you do? What I do is I, I love to connect with other treatment facilities as well as referrals that could refer clients, therapists, um, interventionists, mm -hmm. clinicians to who would have a need for if they have some clients that would need our facility. And we are contracted with most major insurance companies and we actually just became contracted with TRICARE West oh, okay. um, sure. for residential as well as detox and we have PHP and IOP. And so I work with people in the local community as well as outside the Monterey area to let them know about our services and to also let them know about some of the resources available for clients that do primary treatment somewhere else and they're moving back to the area, to the Monterey Peninsula, because we have a really solid 12-step based community yeah. in the area, in the yeah. peninsula. And people just really want to help each other and having it be a smaller town environment, you really feel the love. Sure. Laura Niedringhouse uh, joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast, Business Development and Outreach Director of Beacon House, one of the oldest programs uh, in the country, and it was uh, helping started by Marty Mann. Beacon House, by the way, the website address is beaconhouse.org. People can find out more about that. You take people from all over the country, though, right? Yeah. We actually took someone from Singapore a couple years ago. No kidding. Yeah. And so um, whether they're in, in school and they just they need to get well, then they can take a break and come to Beacon House, or if they are across the country, they can come here. You have been there, Laura, for seven years. Mm -hmm. what's, a, what's a highlight that stands out for you? I'd say the highlight would be when we brought together the board for a fundraising breakfast, and mm -hmm. we had the alumni last year. You must have a huge alumni for We do, sense. we do, and hearing their stories of success, where they were, especially when they've come through and I was there, I've, I've played a variety of roles oh. in the house, and I worked more on the front lines for many years. So, but seeing the people come through and having a life that has been transformed, and the family members who are able to speak at, about their own transformation, because the family is very important when, yeah. the, when people get well. So you we bet. have a big supportive system for yep. the family. Yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah. You know, I've always said in, in my uh, career in this field that the bright side of alcoholism is recovery. And people don't think about yeah. that. They think of the negative part. They think of the active alcoholic or addict, the person who's still out there using, the brother, the mother, the father, the daughter, the employee. But when people do get well, they get better than well. Yes. They get their life back together. Yes. And you folks have been doing that for, for folks for 60 years. And I, I certainly commend you and, and wish you continued success going forward, one person at a time. Thank one you life so at much. A time. One person, one life, one community, because Absolutely. we're all in this together. We certainly are. Yes. Uh, Laura Niedringhouse joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast for a few moments from the Beacon House. And again, I want to give you that website, beaconhouse.org. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Neil Scott. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with more down here in Denver, Colorado, right after this short timeout. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone, cover up at family holidays, you know, act as if everything's okay, pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does. For more information or help, 
Call 800-662-9111. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. Reason number 22 to switch to GEICO. We think renters are cool. Now, we don't know if you were born cool or if it's just all the cool stuff you have in your apartment. The point is, if you want to protect your considerable coolness, ask GEICO about renter's insurance. For as little as $12 a month, you can protect all the stuff you hold near and dear, including that combination flat-screen TV espresso machine. Now that is cool. For a fast, easy rate quote on renter's insurance, visit GEICO.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. Our next exercise, killing spider in bathroom. As you hear your wife scream, begin with a light jog, then run to bathroom. Four, three, two, one. Find spider on wall and squat and squash. Squat and squash. Spider lunges at you. Now scream like a schoolgirl. Good. And sprint. Now run. Life is exercise. Snickers Marathon is energy. Great tasting, nutritious, long lasting energy for the demands of your day. Grab a Snickers Marathon in the energy bar aisle. Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Today is the day. Think earlier. Bruce Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Yeah, I've been drunk in the last 30 days. And how old are you? 13. Do your parents know? No. In Washington, one in six eighth graders used alcohol in the past month. We can keep kids alcohol-free if we start talking now. About how many times have you had five or more drinks in a row this month? Maybe three. And how old are you? Fifteen. For more information, visit StartTalkingNow.org. That's StartTalkingNow.org. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast. We are at the 40th National Addiction Treatment Conference in beautiful Denver, Colorado, presented by the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, NAATP. Our broadcast made possible by one of the oldest and most successful treatment programs in America, Sundown M Ranch up in Yakima, Washington. They treated over 200,000 individuals, families, and adolescents. Sundown M Ranch at sundown.org. A lot of great treatment programs here at the National Conference, uh, including North Point Recovery. They are in Boise, Idaho. However, they're coming to the Pacific Northwest uh, to be specific in Edmonds. And Robert Caston is nice enough to stop by and join us for a few moments to talk about the program. Uh, Robert, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. Thank you, sir. Uh, your, your program in Boise has been around for three years. How did that come to fruition? Well, you know, the well, first of all, it came to fruition with a dream of wanting to do something different wrapped around addiction treatment services. And, had uh, you done something before? You know, I'd, I'd been working in the industry um, about six years before we opened North Point, and I'd worked in multiple different capacities as working in outpatient, working in inpatient services, also working in some of the marketing and brand, you know, awareness 
parts of the, the organization. So when we put North Point together, it was kind of putting all the things that I had learned that I kind of didn't like about other programs or anything like that and bringing them together. And, and what, what it was is that we saw a lot of people getting worked into the psychiatric system that had um, substance abuse disorders. And mm -hmm. what happened is, you know, you've got this, this high acute patient that um, needs some pretty intense stabilization, and a lot of the facilities that can do that are going to be psychiatric hospitals or emergency rooms. What's not in those types of facilities is a really good wraparound service model. And, and, and you know, being a person in recovery, when we built the program, we can take this high level of acuity and we can really treat them all the way from the beginning to the end. There's no stepping stones from psychiatric hospital to residential treatment or outpatient. It's all connected. What is the length of stay? Well, I, you know, I think it depends on, um, there's kind of a couple different tiers of a patient. So someone can come to us just for residential inpatient stabilization. That length of stay is around 24 days. But as far as the continuum of the program, uh, you know, our goal is to keep them engaged in services for as long as 12 months. And I think we've known that the longer we can stay engaged with the individual, the more in front of them we are, the, the better their outcome can be. Sure. So, um, what happens after 12 months? Well, 12 months then, you know, what happens is they practice all the things that they, they, they learned in our program. You know, after 12 months, you have a decent amount of kind of uh, roots under you. Yeah, you know, yeah. the 12 steps of any 12-step program, I think, are what a lot of people choose to kind of keep their recovery going, but people use a whole host of different things. Do you mean, stay in touch with them after those 12 months? So, yeah, we have a full-time alumni coordinator. There's a couple of cool things they get. So they get a little bit of, little bit of technology. We, we employ an app, which kind of stays with them. Our alumni program is a lifelong thing. So they the, the app actually fascinated me. We talked about that a little bit yesterday when I had an opportunity to meet you when I first got down here. Tell me about that app that you use with your alumni. It's a very simple. I mean, in today's technology age, um, technology is amazing. So the, the app is installed on their phone before they graduate, or I wouldn't say graduate, and after they leave the inpatient facility because mm -hmm. the inpatient setting you know you don't have a lot of they don't have technology the whole idea right. is to just kind of of course you know separate yourself from that so they get this app installed on their phone and and what happens is when they leave they're automatically connected with our alumni program and and what it's like a running total just like facebook mm -hmm. they can see what's going on if there's new events that are happening, if someone's having a good day or a rough day, it also counts your milestones. So say you're getting 30, 60, 90, nice, it's gonna pop nice. up on that app and, yeah, and yeah. everyone in the program can say, hey, good job, yeah. so-and-so, yeah. and, and things like that. Mutual so, support. Yeah, you know, it's, it's all about community, right? Yeah. I mean, we crave community. Addiction is such an isolating disease. And, you know, when I first came to, to treatment, like, I didn't talk to a lot of people. Yeah. A lot of my yeah, life yeah. was spent in isolation. Yeah, yeah. And so big thing that saved my life over the years is just learning to be a part of a community. And I think that's kind of what the app does. Another thing it does, it kind of tells them, hey, you haven't been logged into the app very much. You haven't been participating. Is everything going all right? Reaching out to others. Yeah. Wow. And so, and then our alumni... Um, coordinator can really stay connected with each individual and can see the progress. You know, um, we found that our alumni program is probably one of the best mm. resources for these individuals, um, you know, next to, of course, the therapeutic services right. that we do in the outpatient it's their, It becomes their family. You know, this is their new life. Yeah. And, you know, if they, if they leave inpatient treatment and just go back home and complete, you know, stay isolating right, and they don't right. do that, a lot of times they don't stay... Yep 
clean and sober. The only thing you have to change is everything. Right? Just a couple things. Yeah, yeah. Robert Caston joining us. Uh, he is president of North Point Recovery. It started over in Boise, Idaho. There's going to be a new program. We'll tell you a little bit about that in, in, in just a minute. The 22 beds in Boise, is that a co-ed? It is a co-ed facility. So the way we design the unit is um, any room can be any gender that we decided to be. Because uh, sometimes the census will fluctuate. You know, sure. It's crazy different times of the year. you got 14 women that are in the program, and then you've got this, this amount of men, and then it shifts the other way. So another thing we wanted to do is really be mindful of kind of this, you know, gender neutrality. So all of the, the bathrooms are gender neutral. So we can kind of move and change things as we want. There is some isolation to each little area sure. if, if, you know, we feel they want some more privacy. But we also feel like, you know, a big thing about North Point is don't, uh, don't keep them away from too much of real life. You know, a lot of times if you go to inpatient treatment and you take away everything, like yeah. you, you're not able to walk through all the things. Right. Like you may need to learn, like as a, a male patient, you know, if I'm in a group where there are females, there's a lot of stuff that we can see during that interaction that can be extremely useful in a counseling setting. A therapeutic c component can really look at that and be like, you know, we notice that you don't like to get vulnerable around women. What's going on there? We can pull that kind of information out. And then the same thing if we have female in a group, you know, you can really see that. We don't want to, we don't want to keep them away from what's, you know, sure. Sure. You talked about community, uh, Robert, and if you're just joining us, Robert Caston's with us in this segment. He's president of North Point Recovery. If you want to find out more about them, they got a great website, northpointrecovery.com. Community is so important. I was at a conference in Asheville, North Carolina a couple of weeks ago, and someone said the exact opposite of addiction is community. And you got to have community. you got to have it. You know, I think uh, not going at it alone yeah. is super powerful, yeah. um, and, and I think that we've learned that over the years. I mean, really, if you look at just the basis of a 12-step program, it's just becoming a part of something, and right. I think that's why you look at the studies and they say people who um, are connected to whether it's a religious group or a spiritual group or just a group of drunks, right, 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 right. they yeah. live, you know, the... the the science is out there that their brain chemistry is different. It yeah. fires a lot better. Yeah. They live a lot more of a productive life. They're typically twice as happy yeah. Yeah. as people who don't have some sort of community that they're a part of. So, tell, me, I mean, tell me about your family pro uh, program, Robert. You know, the great thing about our family program is it's, um, it's simple and easy. And we also recognize when you know, sometimes family can be a little much for an individual in the beginning. So we really assess each individual, but um, they're going to go through a, a family assessment upon when they come into the program. We have family healing groups on Tuesday night, which is free and open to the public. It's at all of our outpatient offices. Really? Yeah, so we always like to integrate family, whether mm -hmm. it's friends or yeah, moms yeah. Or, or loved ones. Um, but no, within the first seven days, we're going to get in contact with the, the family members. We do family weekends every single weekend. Before they leave the inpatient setting, uh, a typical amount of family counseling is going to be up to three sessions. Wow. So, you know, I, our program's pretty robust. I mean, a typical um, patient staff ratio is, uh, you know, two patients to one staff. And that's not just overall how many staff we have, that's on just one shift. So we can really get in there and the family program extends into the outpatient program. So we just started putting together a new family, um, well, I'm going to describe it as a family intensive weekend, but what we actually call it is a, uh, a My Dysfunctional Family Weekend. And so what we found is, you know, if you try to make this this super serious, like, 
who wants to go to a family intensive workshop, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and yeah. It's, I don't want to go. <laughs> Dads don't show up. Husbands say no, thank you. Um, so what we did is if we put a spin on it and kind of made it fun, of course it's going to be dysfunctional. Like if it wasn't dysfunctional, you wouldn't need to be coming to therapy or your loved one wouldn't need to be going to treatment. So yeah. what we're trying to do is just kind of make it fun and light. And like, you know, there's going to be times during your family interaction where it gets kind of rough and it, it just doesn't feel like what you thought it was going to be. Expectations around, I'm going to get clean and sober and my mom's going to like think I'm amazing again. It doesn't always work that yeah. way. I can look at some of my family and like they weren't really hey, yeah, we're so excited you're clean and sober. It took a while for them to trust me. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, long story short, uh, we have a great family program. We kind of are really good at being super transparent and not saying we do more than what we do. Mm -hmm. So I believe it's exactly what it needs to be. I think if you're going to do any more family work, it should probably be done outside of addiction treatment where you can work on some of the even deeper issues. Right, right. Um, is that but, but get him into recovery first. Right. Yeah. Get stabilized. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. it's going to be a rough road. Robert Caston joining us uh, on Recovery Coast to Coast, president of North Point Recovery, the website northpointrecovery.com. It was so successful over the last three years in Boise that uh, they're moving over to the Edmonds area uh, in the Puget Sound, uh, just uh, north of Seattle, if you're listening to us around the country. Uh, tell me about the new program that you folks are starting up uh, in Edmonds. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's mirroring exactly what we did in Boise. Mm -hmm. You know, super uh, transparent, robust services around the same philosophical, you know, the, the same belief system that, you know, a high level of acuity keeps them out of psychiatric hospitals or the emergency yep. rooms and then we can treat them all. So how many it, beds? It'll be a 44 bed facility. Uh, it's right around 16,000 square feet. Um, it's right by the Swedish Medical Campus. Oh, sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, so it's... Nice location. It's a great location. You know, it was an old building. We, uh, it, It's it's going to end up being a little over a $9 million project. So the city of Edmonds is really excited that, you know, that we take this old broken down building and we turn it into something that's, you know, going to look really great. We're really excited. You know, we're going to be one of the only facilities in the state of Washington that will be duly licensed. Under, ah. the, under the new changes, right, which right. I'm sure you've talked yes, about that on yes, the show. Uh, yes. So we'll be both substance abuse and, and mental health licensure, which is going to be the first integration in the state of Washington. And our outpatient facility in Bellevue is also duly licensed. So we, we really believe that mental health and substance abuse walk side by side. And so we try to treat both of those those as, as closely together as we possibly can. How many outpatient facilities do you have? So currently we have two outpatient facilities and we're adding a third outpatient facility in Idaho, but we're, we're definitely looking to maybe add a little bit more in the Seattle market. I think it just depends on, you know, how the inpatient goes. What we do see is a, is a large need for good services. Yeah, so yeah. Um, if we see the need and we have the opportunity, I think that we're just going to a treatment program is only as good as its staff. Tell me about yours, Robert. Well, they're the best ever. So, uh, you know, if you start from the top of it, you know, Erica Lopez, she's our VP market president in Boise. Uh, she's a licensed clinical social worker. She's, she's really great. She's been working in the field a long time. Super organized very patient-focused. Um, she runs all of the clinical programs in the state of Idaho. Um, yeah, and then Jen uh, Freeman, who is our CFO, she kind of keeps us in line and makes sure that, you know, we're, we're doing good. As we walk down, though, we also have Dr. Corey Weathers, who is our psychiatrist, and he's our medical director. Um, he's amazing. He's been doing this. He got board certified in Baltimore. He's worked, you know, 
doing psychiatry for a long time. You know, he, he's, he's very qualified to do what he does. A majority of all of our clinicians are, you know, licensed, either master levels therapists or, or, or something along those lines. But we also don't want to lose sight that some of the, um, like CDPs in the state of mm -hmm. Washington, you know, their education is a little lower, but they still have these wonderful things to add to the mix, yeah. you know. I think the one thing that's great about addiction is it's, it shouldn't be super complex, right? Like right. if we make it too complex, then we lose sight on yeah, what's yeah, really happening. Yeah. It's like, you know, someone's just an alcoholic, right? Yeah, yeah. So our staff is kind of a, a balance. You know, you've got the top tier where it's all about guidance and giving people the direction. Quality then, assurance. Yeah, what a thing, right? Who would have thought? <laughs> um, and then Teresa McClure, she does all of our uh, licensing and protocol. She works closely with Joint Commission. She's a um, licensed clinical social worker as well. Um, a lot of MSW. Uh, CDPs, CDACs, which are kind of the national thing. So I think we have a good mix. You, I don't think you ever want to be too heavily mental health. One of it, yeah. Yeah, you want a good balance. Yeah. Um, so let's see. I probably could go on more with our staff. There's just so many uh -huh. of them. What are the challenges of getting a new staff in a new facility, in a new program, in a new state? You know, here are the challenges. Finding good people is always hard, Yeah. right? You know, we have some pretty strong core values. You know, as a company, we've put together kind of this core value of how we operate from the beginning to the end. And I think it's it's not hard to find smart people, because there's a ton. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really hard to find smart people who can stand behind our mission and really believe that, you know, it's all about employees, it's all about patients, and everything else comes after that. Yeah. As long as those two things are taken care of, all the other things work themselves out. But not everybody's like that. So I think the biggest challenge has been, A, finding people that adhere to our mission and values, um, and finding smart people that can kind of dumb it down a little bit. I hate to say it like that, but we have this thing in the... That can relate to people. Yeah, yeah, I guess you, you kind of helped me, but... You know, we have this thing like chop wood, carry water. You know, we're worker amongst workers. Like, we don't hire people in the company that won't, do, oh, I won't do that, or I'm not, we all will do, like, I'll change the garbage. Or, you know, we yeah, all are yeah, in this together. Yeah, you know, it takes yeah. a, it takes a, it takes a fairly large army of people to get somebody clean and sober. So, um, yeah, and staff, we take really good care of them, and I think we've gotten lucky. You know, what's happened, though, is, we have this great reputation, you know, if people go online, you can see that, you know, we have over a thousand reviews on, you know, all over the place on the internet. And what's happened is we've now started to attract all these people that yeah, are like, hey, I wanna work there. Right. Because I, I've never seen this happen, yeah. you know, this transparency of patients are loving what they're doing. So um, it was hard in the beginning, and now it's kind of getting like, wow, all these people want to come on board, and um, the talent has been pretty, pretty awesome. What have you learned over the last three years with the program in Boise? Just one thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I've learned is uh, we are, you know, it's all about the patient, and all the other stuff is going to be what it's going to be. There's going to be times when it's hard and it's uncomfortable, and, and there's times when you think that you fail. But as long as I stay focused on the patient and know that, like, all this is for them, I can walk through all that. So I guess the biggest thing I would say is I just, what I've learned is you just don't give up. And it, it's never like you thought it was yeah, going to be. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's not yeah. like, okay, this is exactly what I planned. It's always different. Yeah. And as long as I, you know, I can look at a patient who has gotten some time and I can say it's about, it's about them, then 
then it's fine. As soon as I lose sight of that, that's where things have gotten squirrely. And so I think out of the three years, that's what I've learned the most is just as long as I stay focused on the patient, I think it's all gonna it's all gonna work good. Robert Caston is the president of North Point Recovery, Boise, Idaho, and soon to be in Edmonds, Washington. And I wish you uh, as, as great a success in Seattle, Edmonds, as you've had in Boise, one patient at a time. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you letting me come on here. It's, uh, it's been a privilege and an honor. I hope our relationship continues on as, as we welcome you into the Pacific Northwest. Robert Caston joining us tonight. Again, the website is northpointrecovery.com. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week. Two hours a night talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. We are at the NAATP conference in Denver. We will have more from the conference right after this. You have been listening to part one of Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on KHHO AM850 in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. We invite you to stay tuned for part two of Recovery Coast to Coast. If you've been in continuous recovery for at least a year and would like to share your story with others, please send us an email at recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. For more information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows as well as find information on upcoming programs. This is KHHO AM 850 in Tacoma, Washington, broadcasting from Seattle. Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Seattle, Washington, carried live on KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now... Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome back once again from Denver, Colorado. We are broadcasting from the 40th Annual Conference of the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, NAATP. It's the National Addiction Leadership Conference focusing on quality assurance. And our broadcast is presented by Sundown M Ranch, successfully treating individuals, adolescents, and families for over 50 years. A lot of great treatment programs from all around the country are here in Denver. And uh, it's, it's always great to run into old friends, meet new friends. And there's a guy that I ran into, gosh, he was back in the Super Bowl. He was uh, he was just a young guy in recovery at Actually, that time. Actually, the Seahawks were beating our Broncos. That's right. I was not going to go there, but I, I yes. know. I was, I was watching your face. Yeah, you didn't want yeah, to say it. Yeah. Exactly. We were in New York. It was such a close game, too, wasn't well, it, man? Oh, my God. We got killed by those guys. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. Are we going to talk about that in Denver? Oh, my goodness. Hey, I, but I, I remember you, man, and I, and I need to tell you how much I appreciate uh, your caring about my new newness and You were sobriety. only, what, four months sober? I was a little, a little over four months sober, and... I saw you looking at me yep. when you were asking me that question, we, and you were like, what are you doing here? We did the interview, but I never aired it because, you know, 
you need to take care of your own recovery first. You don't need to be on the radio talking about it. You need to be. You don't need to be carrying the message. You need to be embracing. And that's the reason why you're my hero. Because I'll tell you, everyone else was so excited to talk to me. Yeah. And they didn't think about me. They thought about the airspace. And, and I know who you are, and, and you cared about the man. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, if I had fallen off that horse, yep. then there would have been some embarrassment, and it probably could have been a deeper hole than I even dug myself into. Yeah. And Thank I, you. I was I was concerned about you because I feel that people shouldn't be talking about the recovery with less than a year. Right. I mean, they need to concentrate first things first. Keep recovery first and foremost. And you said that to me that time, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vance Johnson joining us. Uh, he was second-round pick in 1985 uh, out of the University of Arizona. And of course, played his entire career with the, with the Denver Broncos. We won't go into the Super Bowl. We will not mention that again. No, no, no. 415 receptions, uh, 37 touchdowns. You hold still hold the number of records uh, for the franchise, don't I sure you? do. Absolutely. I played 10 years with John Elway, and oh, he was the smokes. one throwing the passes, so I was able to <laughs> enjoy the fruits of it. And uh, oh. obviously, it was a large part of uh, my, my history and, and addiction, but it was also a really good time in my life where I was able to express who I was as an athlete, so to speak. Yeah, you had a good run. Tell me about the run you had in active addiction and where it took you, Vance. You know, honestly, it, it took me to the depths that I would not want my worst enemy to go to. Um, growing up in and around domestic violence and uh, alcoholism, not knowing that these underlying issues would eventually kept, catch up to me after my mm -hmm. career, it was my only way to cope, you know, once I got out of the league, was to drink and was to take pills, and the limelight was gone now, too. So after several failed marriages, when I mean several, I mean several, and being involved uh, finally with my children's lives, my son was killed mm. on a motorcycle. motorcycle. Yes, yeah, sir. He got yeah. killed by a uh, uh, he was a, by a drunk driver, oh. and that kind of took me off the deep end because it was my fault that he died. Um, I know he was trying to reach me, but he ended up taking his motorcycle and not borrowing my car, mm. and so I drank and used myself into a coma. Mm. And for uh, 28 days, brother, you know, I was laying there with those tubes hanging out of me. Uh, chained to a bed when I woke up and everyone knowing that it was a matter of time before I drank myself to death mm. and that's when uh, the NFL reached out to me one of my ex-wives the seventh at the time reached out to the NFL and said this guy's killing himself and uh, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer Randy Grimes who had been oh, five years sure of course I met Randy at the he Super was the Bowl one that well. introduced yes, me to that's you that's right yes he was the one that reached yes. out to me and I lied to him for about three or four months you know we can talk for hours about my story but you know long story short it was only by the grace of God and knowing that I was powerless over this uh, disease that I was willing to listen to get that help. Had anybody else along the way said to you, Vance, you got to do something about your drinking? You know, honestly, you know, people wouldn't really say anything because yeah. it was my world and I was very well known. I was one of the best in the Broncos. And they I wanted to be a part of your world, so they were yes man. Brother, sometimes yes. I drive down the highway at 145 miles an hour. I get pulled over by a cop on a Saturday afternoon drunk but he wasn't going to put me in jail because I was going to make the winning touchdown That's Sunday. Right. He wanted an autograph. And, and yeah. you know, autograph yeah. and, some, and some tickets to yeah. the game. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a number of times during my career where you know I was uh, luckily getting sober enough by halftime that I was able to go out and perform in the second half. And many times going to the game just really wasted. But sometimes I felt myself when I took the pills feeling like I was more empowered because I was braver out there mm. in the field. Mm. So I was real active in my addiction, but I was... I was working just like most of the people who probably listen to the show who suffer at yeah. a high level of at least being able to go to work and do my do my job and get a paycheck, yeah. not knowing that I was an addict. Former NFL great fans Johnson joining us uh, tonight down here at the uh, the 40th anniversary NAATP. A lot of great people down here. A lot of people sharing their stories like Vance. Did you go through treatment? I did. I did. In fact, uh, I, I remember driving down. Um, I had a big fight with my father at my restaurant, and I was screaming and yelling at him, blaming everything on him because of what I grew up around with the domestic violence. 
yelling at my mother for staying with him and I got in a really big argument, fight with him, mm. threw him on the ground, man, just inside my restaurant in front of the patrons. And he started telling me how you just have to get help, man. This is not the kid that I raised. I was driving through the canyon one day, literally screaming out, crying out to God to help me. And I heard a voice tell me I had to go be alone and get help. Mm. And so Randy Grimes at that time from my seventh ex-wife uh, had reached out to me and eventually I gave in to it, succumbed to it and got on the airplane with my Bible and I went to treatment. Mm. Tell me about that first year. First year clean? Well, I'll tell you, my, my 28 days there, I learned so much and I realized by the time I was leaving treatment that there's no way I could stay clean just by going to treatment for 28 days. And then I also realized that this was probably the only reason why I played in the NFL is so that I could have a mighty fall after three Super Bowls, failed suicide attempts, so that I can get into recovery and have a platform, my mm -hmm. real Super Bowl, mm -hmm. and that was to travel a journey for the rest of my life to offer people hope. That first year was really tough, though, because when I went back home, I was around people, places, and things. Yeah. Um, my mother and father ended up having to fire me from my restaurant oh. because I was a bartender. Oh, my goodness. I was jolly-jollying with everybody but not drinking, and so they fired me. Then business started suffering because the pro football player wasn't around anymore, and I was offered a chance to fly back out to Florida to be the ball boy, literally, at the facility that I got clean at for about 240 bucks a week in a bus pass. No kidding. So for the first 13 months, after I met with you, yeah, I was yeah, offered yeah. that job. And so I went out there and just caught a bus to work every day in the rain. People would drive past me because they didn't know who I was. Wow. But it was so humbling to go back to the roots of who I was as a young man to just work hard and, and to know who I was, especially in my work. What did that feel walk. like to you? It was amazing. Mm. You know, I, I love not having money. I love no one knowing who I was. I love knowing that I was starting all over again and not being on the, uh, a public bus since I was eight years old and just get, getting to work and being around people like me, people mm. who were suffering. Mm. So I poured my heart out every day to these young men that were in their active addiction that wanted to be sober and let them know and break the stigma about you can't think that just because you're a professional athlete that addiction is not going to touch you, yeah. man. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that. This has to do with who you are as a person and what inside you is making you feel like you have to self-medicate. Just as Randy Grimes reached out to you, have you been able to reach out to other players? By the grace of God, man, I've been able to reach out to hundreds of people, do lots of interventions and get people into treatment and just really be an open heart to them knowing that I struggle just like they struggle and I'm here to listen mm. and offer you hope out of the hell that you're living in. That's my whole journey in life. Yeah. That's what I do. Have they taken advantage of that? Have they listened to you? Absolutely, man. And I try not to count them because I don't want to mark that as me right, doing right. anything. Sure. You know. Yep, absolutely. So it's always about that next person. Now, I love speaking to thousands of people, but I love that one who will listen to my voice and that one who's going to say, yes, yeah. I'm ready, man. Right? I'll go to any length to get somebody into treatment, man. I'll climb across that bed and I'll beg them. How much time do you have now, Vance? I have four years clean. Wow. By the grace of God and because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I have a water hose of the Holy Spirit inside of me, and there ain't no addiction getting inside of me, man. It's not going to happen. It's a shame you're not more enthusiastic about it, but that'll come. That'll come I'm in so time. I'm so fired up. I got it from you. <laughs> Former NFL great Vance Johnson joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. Uh, now, you're, you're involved with Futures of Palm Beach. Yes. Tell me about that program. I'm a spokesperson for Futures of Palm Beach, which, which is a inpatient facility, 28-day, 30-day facility down in West Palm Beach, Florida. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, it's only five minutes away from Tiger Woods' house. Wow. So it's a great facility, and I've been there now a little, almost two years, actually, as their spokesman. And we bring people down in. We're 28-day inpatient. We do detox. We have PHP, IOP. 
They put together a great team. It's a family that have had people in the family that have suffered an addiction mm -hmm. and wanted to be a part of the solution, not the problem. So everything that they're doing there at Futures is just everything that I'm about. What makes them unique? What makes Futures unique is there are people who actually listen and people who care. And the main thing that makes them unique is they don't believe in this coining out crap. There's no way in the world you go 30, 45, 60 days and you get a coin. Congratulations, you graduated. You are sober for the rest of your life. We coin in. We, the first day you come in there, we give you a coin and say, guess what? This is going to be for the rest of your life. This is what it's going to be about. And yes, you can get people excited with passion, but then it's about breaking that stigma. It's about showing them options, showing them opportunities, and showing them that you have to have a path and a game plan on the way out here. And then we stay connected, and we go all over the country having alumni meetings, yep. and we bring them back in nine times a year for free. Wow. Just so they can be a part of the program, keep tuning up, and then offer hope to the new people that are coming in. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's a process. You know, people think, well, uh, I, if I go through treatment for 28 days, I'll be fine. Right. I'll be ready to... Yeah. No, 28 days is the bare beginning. I don't even like to use the term aftercare. It's right. continuing care. It's a, it's a continuing Once care. Once you start this, it, it continues on for the rest of your life. That's You're right. You're going to be in recovery, the process of recovery. And the reason why I know that is because I've seen many people you know, put in 8, 10, 15 years who have relapsed. Yeah. But that's because all of a sudden they start thinking that they've yeah. got this and they're yeah. about themselves again. We have to empty ourselves when you're in recovery, and the next thing you That's know, right. you're there to help everybody else, right. and, and that it, gets you away from you. That's another term that we use in this field that, that I no longer use, which is relapse prevention. I call it recovery enhancement. I like that. I want to see what your recovery is. You can have it. All it's right, yours. Bro. I want to see what you're like today better than yesterday. Absolutely. How is your recovery enhanced? Yeah, you know why? Because it, because relapse happens way before yeah. relapse. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Way before. Yeah. I'm talking something yeah. that happened years before it. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, Vance Johnson joining us tonight. Great to catch up with him. Like I say, when I first saw him, he was four months uh, sober, and he wanted to go out and tell the world. And I said, <laughs> nah, we'll, we'll go ahead and wait. I did. Thank you so much. Well, the opportunity is now, and he's involved with a great program, Futures of Palm Beach. What, what is their website? Well, the best thing you can do is you go to www.futuresofpalmbeach.com yep. down in West Palm Beach, Florida, or you can reach out to me on my Facebook page, okay. Vance Johnson, Okay. Um, and because I'm always on my page all night long and I'm the one who manages my page so when you inbox me and you're looking for help or for some information nice. reach out to me and I'll give you my cell phone number yeah. get a hold of me man I'm about getting people clean what is recovery like for Vance Johnson today it's my only world I wake up doing it I go to sleep doing it I speak it there's no other language because of this walk that Christ gave me. Mm. You're an amazing man. You, You're living proof that you don't have to die for a awesome. drink or a drug. There you go, man. That's thank right. you so much for joining God us again, and, and thank you for uh, the inspiration. Thanks for letting me on the show again, man. Absolutely. Let's do this again. Let's do it again. Right. Vance we need Johnson. a co-host. Vance Johnson. <laughs> co-host. Here's my co-host, Vance Johnson. <laughs> All right. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. Short time off from Denver at the NAATP conference. We'll be back after this. Thank you for calling AAA. How can I help you? Oh, great. Hi, we've got a major malfunction going on here. What's the problem, sir? Well, the problem is that some friends and I decided to go whitewater rafting down this river just outside of town. Sounds adventurous. Yeah, well, it was until one of us who kept his keys in his pocket lost them. Hello. <laughs> when he fell, oh, oh, I'm sorry, was thrown out of the raft by some supposed tidal wave. Oh, so you're locked out. <laughs> well, we were until our friend Brian came out with an extra set of keys. So you're not locked out. Uh, no. 
but Brian is. Nice job, Brian. The genius locked his keys in the car when he got out to give us our extras. Bummer. Exactly. Well, tell Brian to hang tight, and we'll be right out. Oh, you are the best. See, I told you, man. They're the best. At AAA, we understand it's never just the lockout. That's why we're dedicated to helping you with quick personal service to get you moving again. AAA. We're not just about cars. We're about you. Call 1-800-JOIN-AAA or visit AAA.com. Join now and get $10 off a basic membership. If you're considering a career as a chemical dependency counselor, here are five reasons to enroll at the Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies. It's recommended for up to 24 hours of college credit by the American Council on Education, offers an accelerated distance learning program, is an ADAC-approved provider, and their training meets the criteria for the Certified Justice Professional Certification. Plus, student loans are also available. Start your career today. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. Amazing. Yeah. Mm, totally. Mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm-hmm. More lemon lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon lime flavor is totally zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7 Up. Diet 7 Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with mm. more natural lemon lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. I uh, And it's diet too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. Try new Diet Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. We wasted a lot of years hoping, praying for things to get better. I was desperate to save our family. That's when I made the contact. She contacted Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized alcohol and drug treatment program teaches family members how to break down the barriers of denial. They are taught the skills needed to deal with addiction as a family. Now we're making up for lost time. It was the best contact I ever made. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Great to have you with us. We are in Denver, Colorado, site of the 40th Annual Conference of NAATP, which is the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, a great organization. And if the truth be known, I was involved with NAATP when they were starting 40 years ago. But we don't want to go there. I don't want to remember that far back, but they've been doing good work. And it's good to see that there's so many great treatment programs here. Our broadcast presented by Sundown M Ranch, treating individuals, adolescents, and families for over 50 years, over 200,000 strong. Uh, And and their website is sundown.org. I mentioned many treatment programs. I was a little dismayed to see only one treatment program in the exhibitor hall that deals with eating disorders. And I said, I'm gonna track those people down. And it turned out that a woman who wrote a book, her name is Robin Cruz, she co-wrote the book, Making Peace With Your Plate, Eating Disorder Recovery. I am so anxious to find out more about this program. Robin, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much. Tell, tell me a little bit about the program. You said that you've got 
22 different locations? We actually have 27 different locations 27. throughout the United States, yeah. How long have you been in existence and how did it all start? Oh gosh, so Eating Recovery Center was uh, started around about eight years ago by a few doctors and um, Dr. Wiener, Dr. Bishop, Dr. Bermudez and Dr. Craig Johnson, I believe. All major players in their field very committed to eating disorder recovery and you know it really was built out of deep need for such treatment. Um, Eating Recovery Centre does all levels of care dealing with um, extremely acute care so those who are struggling with anorexia nervosa that need to be uh, refed so with feeding tubes and uh, the medical complications and we also deal with bulimia nervosa um, binge eating disorder. Are these inpatient treatment facilities or outpatient? So we do all levels of care which means inpatient, mm -hmm. then we do uh, residential and then we have PHP which is typically 11 hours a day, 7 days a week. Wow. Yeah, and then we do um, outpatient as well, IOP. For listeners who are unfamiliar with eating disorders, mm -hmm. I mean we're all talking now about the opioid crisis. Yes, we are. Uh, but there, and, and that's very serious, and I don't mm -hmm. mean to diminish that. Mm -hmm. But eating disorders are very serious disorders. Yeah, and, and in fact, the... And it, you can't be abstinence-based. No, so that's really, this is really great. I'm so glad that we're having this conversation, because eating disorders um, have... There's a, there's a train apparently going through the lobby right now. <laughs> Eating disorders actually have the highest um, mortality rate out of any mental illness and we don't talk about it a lot and I think the issue is we are we're living in such a broken body image culture right now oh. and so it becomes very difficult to recognize eating disorders um, but it's really important to note here that eating disorders are not fad diets and you they don't look one size right mm. any any they come in all body sizes all shapes and sizes they are highly treated highly treatable diseases you know the, the key is to get treated and not to go on a diet well you know I think it, for many of it it can start out as a diet but um, you know if we're if it's in their genes mm -hmm. And then they're susceptible to that diet mentality, then that's how it can be created. But you're right, we can't, it's not abstinent based, we can't right. abstain from food, we have to eat it three times a day. It's very unlike substance use disorder where you can just say, you know what, I don't need it, it doesn't bring any value to me, I don't need it to survive, whereas eating you do. Um, and so the, there's an importance to rebuild a relationship with your body and the food that you put in it. And how, it can be done. How do you diagnose the eating disorder? Um, well, it's a part of a DSM-5. There are uh, specific criterias. So, for example, if we take binge eating disorder, the criteria to meet binge eating disorder is you uh, binge uh, once or more a week consistently for three mm. time, uh, for up to three months. That's a binge eating disorder. Um, bulimia nervosa, compensatory behaviors. Uh, not just self-induced vomiting or laxatives. A very big way of uh, purging at this point in time is over-exercise. We see a mm. lot of people 
coming into substance use recovery right. and then they pick up another illness which is usually an eating disorder and commonly those who start off with a primary substance use disorder will be 35 well 35% of those will be susceptible to an eating disorder and those with primary eating disorder will 50% uh, of those will be susceptible to substance use disorder so the crossover is acute Joining us is Robin Cruz. She is uh, the author of Making Peace with Your Plate, Eating Disorder Recovery, along with Espera Andrus, uh, and she's involved with the uh, Eating Recovery Center. And I want to give you that website, uh, eatingrecovery.com. And when we think of eating disorders, there's a lot of stereotypes. Mm -hmm. People think, first of all, it's all about women. Yeah, there are not. men who suffer from eating disorders. Oh, absolutely. And the stigma associated with them is, is incredible. Oh, it is incredible. And I think it's, I, I don't actually think, honestly, that we know how many men really do struggle. Mm. Um, and that's the saddest part for me. I think we will be surprised that there are so many more men. It's just, it's more difficult for them to come yeah, forward yeah. because of the kind of the, um, the male rules kind of thing. Yeah. But I, we, we treat enough men in eating recovery center for them to have their own group. Wow. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy. What about OA? Um, Overeaters Anonymous, mm -hmm. I think it's a wonderful place for the people to go and have a fellowship and to find support. You know, I, I don't have real opinions on Overeaters right. Anonymous because I think that, you know, they're not a treatment program. Right. I think like the 12 steps, uh, many of us who have worked them have been incredibly fortunate to have it in our life. Uh, the people in the friendships that we've created and the support group that it has enhanced has been just amazing. Uh, we know a lot more these days than Bill and Bob did yeah, um, in the yeah, 1960s. Yeah. There's a lot of science. I always, look, whatever works for somebody in recovery right. is the perfect thing for them. I really believe that. But I do want to say that treatment, a multidisciplinary treatment approach for people is out there and available where they're treating their emotional, their um, underlying issues, uh, the building a relationship with their body and the food that they put in it, learning who they are and who they want to be in the world and their values. I think it's a really important thing and, uh, you know, you don't necessarily say one or the other. Right, and, and the important thing for people to understand is just as AA is not a treatment program, uh -huh. OA is not a treatment no. program. Yeah, exactly. And again, I think anything that leads us to... Okay, so the verdict's still out on food addiction, right? It's, it's still out. We don't actually know if it exists or not. There's... For every argument for it, there is one against it. But at the end of the day, our bodies are so incredibly intelligent that the female population give birth to human beings. Yeah, yeah. You know, if we begin to build a relationship with it, it sure as hell can tell us what to eat and how to eat and when to eat. It's just what we're so out of touch as a culture. That's something that we get to do, those of us who have been in long-term recovery yeah. or starting out in our recovery, we begin to understand that. And it's a, it's a good deal, you know? Robin, tell me a little bit about you. Your journey? Oh gosh, you know, I struggled from an eating disorder from 11 through to 29, and uh, like many of us, 
uh, a traumatic event was triggered that triggered it. My father um, was an alcoholic, so we have the genes mm. as well. And you put that combination together with my mum being ill at 11, and you know, I put my superhero cape and panties on, yep. and I looked <laughs> for something to make this world tolerable. Yeah, and yeah. you know, uh, food talked to me. It calmed me and it soothed me, just like later on alcohol did. Yeah. I struggled, and I. You know, I really believed that I was addicted to food and I really believed that I was going to die with it. You know, I, I, I thought I thought the disease would take me out. I really did. Um, and I don't say that dramatically. It's such a fact. I remember um, sitting in a room in L.A. one time and uh, I had been, I was 29 at this point, so I had been struggling for a really long time. and. Uh, I remember the thought of either do I check out of this world or do do I give it a go and uh, I'm really lucky to have uh, a strong support group uh, through my family and my mother when she was alive was a force to be reckoned with and uh, she taught me how to nice. show up nice. for myself and so um, I really worked at it. Now when I was getting recovery there was no such thing as eating recovery center. Yeah. There was no such thing as getting insurance coverage for it. You right, know, of and course. Eating recovery center, 95% um, of those people that go to eating recovery center are fully covered by insurance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was yeah. no such thing around, okay? Yeah. We have made progress. Right, so I had to find a treatment team which is really ultimately what led me to writing the book because I had to discover ways of doing it myself. How do you make peace with your plate? You build a relationship with your body and the food you put in it. And I know that sounds wishy-washy and hard, but there really is a very simple way. We begin to be, you know, I think there's three steps to doing that. Mm -hmm. First of all, you can't start listening to your body and being intuitive with food if you've spent your whole life ignoring it. And let's face it, most of society has because we've been taught to do that. You know, so we have to create a structure, so three meals a day, protein, carbohydrate, fruit and vegetables and fats, you know, three meals a day. And then the second part is becoming mindful, you know, is becoming, getting in touch, you know, it's like having that conversation with your body. Can I, can you hear me? Can you hear what I'm saying? You know, check in with your body. What does it want to eat? You know, what does it want sweet things? Does it want savory things? Does it want hot? Does it want cold? All while kind of practicing it in a structure so that you're feeding your brain, you know, Mm -hmm. three meals a day and then ultimately we want to get to a place where we can choose our foods from a place of optimum health which is what everybody wants to do yeah. it's just that they try to start at this place of being able to you know sustain changes for optimum health when they haven't learnt to kind of listen to their body or to build a relationship with it so that's kind of where we're a bit screwed up here but what about trigger foods everybody seems I know for me it's mm -hmm. potato chips you know I can't eat just one I'll eat the whole bag yeah so yeah, I don't want to undermine uh, people having trigger foods because I relate to that. Mm -hmm. I used to think that every food was a trigger food, actually. <laughs> Anything that uh, that tasted good was a trigger food, really. Yeah, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? That you shouldn't have that right. is bad for you. Right. Um, you know, I, and I know this is controversial, and I know that it's safer to believe that we have good and bad foods and that foods are addictive and some foods aren't. I know it's easier because it feels like a quick fix, but the truth is potato chips are a carbohydrate. 
they're a grain, you know, sugar, well, there's no, that's not actually technically a food group, but it's not, the quantity of it is more of a problem than the actual food itself mm -hmm. at this point. Um, I say put them, start experimenting in a safe environment, you know, like in that structured approach, put that on your plate, right? <laughs> and and then, make peace with it. And make peace with it. And and learn if you are really triggered by that you know there's things that you can do there's like in eating recovery center in their binge eating program they have this amazing uh, program there where they they do what's called urge surfing so you learn how to tolerate the food wow. and you know what if a client really can't eat that food and they are deeply triggered by it we'll work with that because you know what their recovery is the yeah. right one for them yeah. Yeah. and so you know of course you it's very difficult when you have diabetes or you have fatty sure. liver disease or things like that then that becomes an issue but and you have to make food choices around that but ultimately our goal is to make peace with our plate because listen you can't deprive yourself of it that's right it can't be abstinence-based, uh -huh. as we said earlier. Making peace with your plate, eating disorder recovery. You can find that. Uh, our good friends, uh, Central Recovery Press, they're a great, great, great company. Central oh, thank recovery. you. Yeah, we love yeah. them. Yeah. Thank you so much for not only spending some time with, with us here right now, but for exhibiting at this conference and being the only one. That, that's got to change. That's it, it really change. does. It really does have to change, considering the co-occurring rates. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I will end on this. You know, I see a lot of people go into substance use facilities and get their treatment and they come home and they pick up eating disorders and, and we, as an industry, have to do better. You're absolutely right. Thank you so much. I wish you continued success and uh, it's good meeting you. Thank you so much. Robin Cruz joining us uh, tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. And again, the book is Making Peace with Your Plate. If you want to check out the website, it is eatingrecovery.com. Eatingrecovery.com. Thank yeah. you so much, Robin. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. We're going to take a short time out. Back with more from Denver, Colorado at the NAATP conference. Alcohol is running your life. You want help but can't take time away from work to get it. Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown M Ranch outpatient programs have helped thousands recover from addiction without losing time on the job. Nationally recognized for innovative, effective, and affordable treatment programs, Sundown M Ranch will help you put your life back on track. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. I promise to hug my husband. I promise to eat a vegetable as big as my head. What promises have you made today? I promise not to paint the living room. American Family Insurance knows promises are easy to make. Until my wife picks out a color she likes. But they're not always easy to keep. At American Family, the commitments we make are commitments we intend to keep. Because our promises are the foundation of relationships we've built with generations of policyholders. I promise to take my dog for a walk. We promise to treat your family like our family and give you honest, straightforward answers. We promise. I like taking my dog for a walk. Visit AmFam.com to find an American Family agent near you. American Family Insurance. All your protection under one roof. American Family Mutual Insurance Company and its subsidiaries. Home Office, Madison, Wisconsin. 
Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies Distance Learning Training offers the required curriculum necessary to start working as a chemical dependency counselor. It's academically solid, provides learning experiences in various formats with an emphasis on treatment, prevention, counseling techniques, case management, and other related areas, offering basic knowledge and skills to be a successful chemical dependency counselor. Find out more about this NADAC-approved training. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. First, your child's heart rate and blood pressure will drop. Your child may experience nausea and want to sleep it off. Hopefully, your child will resist that urge and won't slip into a coma or die from this prescription painkiller overdose. Of course, kids who learn about the dangers of drugs from their parents are 40% less likely to abuse prescription drugs than those who don't. So talk to your child now, and there's a pretty good chance that this will never happen to your child. For more information, visit drugfree.org. A message from Partnership for a Drug-Free Washington in America. Need professional-looking documents? Office Depot can help. From small jobs to bound presentations, bring in your document or submit it at officedepot.com. We'll ship virtually anywhere. Plus, our work is backed by the Office Depot Satisfaction Guarantee. Office Depot, taking care of business. Certain restrictions apply. See store for details. Welcome back once again, Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. We are on the air five nights a week, two hours a night. Talking about addiction with a focus on recovery, great to have you with us. We're taking you on the road to Denver, Colorado. We're broadcasting from the 40th Annual Conference of the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, NAATP, the National Addiction Leadership Conference. It focuses on quality assurance this year. Our broadcast presented by Sundown M Ranch up in Yakima. They've treated over 200,000 people over the last 50 years. Check them out, sundown.org. A lot of great programs down here, programs from all over the country. And, you know, people often ask me, you know, how do you find a good treatment program? There are so many treatment programs. And, frankly, there are a lot of treatment programs that are popping up nowadays that are just in it for the money. How do you find a good one? Make sure they're a member of NAATP, National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. And there's a lot of great programs down here. One of them is called Anaheim Lighthouse, and Tamara Jimenez is uh, the community relations manager. Anaheim Lighthouse would obviously be in, oh, I don't know, maybe Anaheim. Anaheim, California, which is right next to the happiest place on earth. Tamara, welcome to the program. Tell me about your program at uh, the Lighthouse. Thank you. Anaheim Lighthouse, we are a residential treatment center. We do detox and treatment. We treat men and women, uh, 18 and over. We are gender specific. How many beds? Uh, I think we have about 124. That's a big program. Yes, we have uh, several um, apartment complexes all next to each other in a nice little neighborhood. How did it start down in Anaheim? Was this after Mickey Mouse got sober or was this uh, yes. before that? Yes, <laughs> Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and Goofy started it. <laughs> it's a goofy field, so go ahead. Yeah, um, actually, Anaheim Lighthouse, we originally, uh, back in the day before AB 109, uh, which is... Tell people what that is. So AB 109 is something that passed uh, in California, and, it, and it's, it's also referred to as realignment. So pretty much what it was was uh, the all of the state funding for treatment was, uh, before AB 109, was being dispersed to the treatment centers themselves, to the providers themselves, um, and being used. 
the state decided that they thought it would be a good idea to just hand it all over to probation and say, here, you guys figure it out. So it didn't get figured out, and, uh, and a lot of places had to close their doors. Um, so at that point, we turned our Anaheim location into, uh, we started taking private insurance. We have a contract with Kaiser. Wow. Um, so we take HMOs and PPOs. Um, we, we do uh, private pay. Uh, we do scholarships. Um, a lot of times we bring people in from the police department um, off the street and uh, we'll scholarship them into treatment because they just can't afford it. Tamara Jimenez joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. She is the Community Relations Manager for the Anaheim Lighthouse. Tell me what you do for families. We do have a family program. Mm -hmm. uh, they come on the weekends and they'll do uh, like family groups and they have you know private family therapy sessions. So all of our clients, um, not only do they see a certified drug and alcohol counselor, but they also have a therapist that they see. How long have you been there? I've been there since December of 2014. Mm. What have you learned in that time, Tamara? I've learned a lot in that time. I actually got brought on to build an alumni program for Lighthouse. Oh, nice. And, um, and, and, it, and I built it out, and I mean, and, and it's, it's huge now, and oh my gosh, they do multiple things per week and all kinds of activities. Um, but what I, what I started doing uh, in between the little alumni program uh, in the beginning was I started attending Chamber of Commerce meetings, and then I started attending um, different events that our local elected officials were having. Mm. I started getting involved in local community events. Advocating for recovery. Right, and, show, and, and really um, what I've learned is that if I can go out there in the community and show people that addicts aren't bad and it's not a, it's not a moral failing. Yeah not, not, you know, not, yeah, not bad people trying to be good, but good people trying to get well. Right, right. And so, so I think really what, you know, what I've really learned is that we have to educate people because a lot of people just are not educated yeah. and they just don't know and then unfortunately there's a lot of media that you know will focus on all the bad and and, and never focus on the good recovery does not make news no you know, active no. addiction does somebody right. gets somebody prominent gets a dwi boom it's going to be in the front page of the newspaper on the early news a person who celebrates 35 years of continuous recovery eh. No, no story there. No, we just had um, uh, one of our congressmen in South Orange County uh, just, I don't know, a week ago put out a, a press release video. It was 15 minutes long where he, for 15 minutes, him with a few other people, continuously repeated saying that, you know, basically we have to get rid of the sober livings because they, oh. are, they are proliferating our neighborhoods. That was I the saw word. that. That Dana was Roarbacher. in your area? Oh, yes. my God. They're proliferating our neighborhoods. Addicts and alcoholics should not live near ordinary oh. people. That He said that. I can't even tell you how many times he said it in that 15 minutes. I saw that, and it just it just absolutely riled me. I, I, the, the man is insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's presenting. A, he has proposed a bill. And he's working. Uh, the district attorney spoke up, too, in support of him. Well, thankfully, both of them are up for re-election. So hopefully the, they'll get voted out um, wow. because that is not where we want to go. We, wow. I mean, it, it's, it's like taking us back 50 years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
Tamara Jimenez is joining us on Recovery Coast to Coast. You were telling me, Tamara, about uh, an event that you recently did that brought everybody together because recovery is community. Yes, tell me about it. Recovery is community. So, so we started. Uh, I had a vision, and I wanted to bring everybody together uh, in Orange County mm-hmm. because. Everybody, it's like everybody's in their own silo and everybody works separately and nobody really collaborates. And I just thought, gosh, if we could just all work together, we could serve so many more people and help so many more people in so many different ways. And it's not just detox and treatment and sober living. There's all these other different areas of life. I started this collaboration we called it the Orange County Recovery Collaboration, and we just started bringing people in. And uh, so we we started in September, and in April we held our first event. Uh, we called it a Recovery Resource Fair. Didn't the mayor have something to do with that? Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so so the mayor of Anaheim, Mayor Tom Tate. I had approached him back in August and said, hey, you know, there's all these collaboratives and coalitions in Orange County right now and Anaheim on, on homelessness, but, but there isn't one on addiction. And he said, yeah, you should put that together. That's a great idea, if, even if you got 10 people in a room. And so um, the, I believe it was the following week, I met with Dr. Jose Moreno, who is our mayor pro tem right now. And uh, he he oversees. We're in the third district. So um, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Moreno said he says, okay, this is great. And after sitting down with me, he said, so so when's the first meeting? And I was like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and he's like, well, you have to pick a date. If you don't pick a date, it's just you're just going to keep talking about it, and it's never going to happen. So with with his help and his support, I, I don't think without his support, I don't know if this would have ever launched. Um, as successfully as it did, we launched it and we put together this resource fair and uh, we ended up having 51 participants uh, like as in agencies. Wow. Or on a Saturday? On a Saturday. On a Saturday, the, cou- <laughs> the County of Orange showed up in full force. Um, with their behavioral health services, their social services agency, uh, child support services was there. Uh, We also had the public defender's office. We had a nonprofit called Accord, which they help with citizenship and immigration services. And and, and that's a big barrier. A big barrier, especially now. Yeah, and especially in Orange County. So, yeah, and especially now, right, it's a big barrier for, you know, people getting, taking the steps to Mm -hmm. get well. So, um, I mean, we had... uh, a nonprofit there that does um, free HIV testing. We had a, a program called New Life Detox that um, their LVN trained five different places with Narcan kits. Uh, one of them uh, uh, being an Alano club wow. where people go to meetings, which is, oh my gosh, if there's any place wow. to have that, I mean, because how many people show up at yeah. clubs yeah, to yeah, meetings? Sure, sure. You know, oh. uh, so, I mean, we just. It was absolutely amazing that I, I was so amazed that, I mean, I mean, for me, that was just my God working, you know, that... Yeah. Not uh, a coincidence, a God incident. Absolutely, that all those people showed up. I mean, it was it was just amazing. It was amazing. And we just kept getting more and more, like, RSVPing, like, last minute. I mean, you should have seen when... <laughs> when myself and and, and uh, Daniel from Salvation Army, we went to go put numbers in the parking lot to yeah, like yeah, block. Yeah. A, oh my! It was oh, it was a mess. Oh. It was it was it, two recovering alcoholics trying to yeah. you know 
put together an event. But you know what? It, it worked out beautifully, and it was amazing. So now we're just on to our next thing, and you know, there's a couple things that we're gonna try and fight against um, the congressman's bill, oh. and and then we get someone else elected down there, would you please? Yeah, yeah. And then we've got um, there is a Orange County needle exchange program mm. that just got shut down, but it's because they were uh, they were giving out 200 needles per person per week. What? Yeah, that's not an exchange. That's called a needle mill, right? Yeah. So it, yes. So they, uh, there was just an article the other day in the Orange County Register, say, with the Orange County Register in the opinion section, say we support them, and you know, so they're trying to circumvent the cities and go to the state, mm. and get the public health department to to approve a mobile unit where they can have a van. Uh, and drive through four cities, which are Anaheim, Santa Ana, Costa Mesa, and Orange. Those four cities have, they have a lot of things in common, but out of the, out of the 34 cities in Orange County, yeah. the three major things that they have in common is, number one, they have the highest amount of homelessness. Yeah. Number two, they have a large amount of um, undocumented, undocumented people or immigration. And number three, the highest amounts of low income and poverty. Mm. So this supposed needle exchange program is really tar they're targeting yeah. the most vulnerable yeah. oh, of man. our population. Oh. So I actually I actually have the mayor Danny Jones from West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia, coming out this week. On, really? Yes, on Thursday and Friday. And he's going to come and, and we're going to sit down with the police chief and we're going to sit down with some city leaders. And, and he uh, successfully got the public health department to shut it, shut that one down out there in his nice, county. Nice, nice, So, because it's, you know, it's, here's the thing, you know, people want to talk about harm reduction or, or recovery. Well, here's the thing. If you believe that addiction is a disease, then you cannot believe in harm reduction. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't go yeah, hand in hand. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. it's, you know, addiction is, it's chronic. Absolutely. And it's progressive and yep. it's fatal. Yep. I can't just have one. Yep, absolutely. You're doing great work in Orange County Thank and you're you. right on the front lines and man, keep battling away and just uh, get that congressman uh, thrown out of office. Would you please? Yeah, help us. <laughs> <laughs> Tamara Jimenez is the Community Relations Manager, Anaheim Lighthouse. Their website is lighthousetreatment.com. You're doing good work. Continue on. Thank you. I'm Neil Scott, the program Recovery Coast to Coast. We will continue with more from the 40th anniversary conference of the NAATP, National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. Uh, we are in Denver, Colorado. We're going to take a short time out. We will be back with more right after after this. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. She has always been your baby, but when your daughter got into drugs and alcohol, she turned into a stranger. What do you do? Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized youth treatment program guides young people back to a life free of drugs and alcohol. All treatment is gender specific and directed by caring certified professionals in a safe environment. You can get your daughter back and get to know her again. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more.
Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast in Denver at the NAATP National Conference. It is the 40th annual conference of the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers. And we're going to close out this hour with uh, a listen in to part of a session on the NAATP QAI, that's the Quality Assurance Initiative and the Tradition of Value-Based Addiction Treatment featuring Doug Tiemann. Doug has been the president and CEO of Karen Treatment Centers since back in 1995, got about 30 years in the field, truly one of the leaders and legends in our field. Let's listen to a little bit of the Quality Assurance Initiative and the tradition of values-based addiction treatment. I've been at this for 35 years, and, and, and I had the good pleasure, as you heard from both John and me mentioned, starting my career at, at, at Hazelden with, with legends, Dan Anderson, Gordy Grimm, Harry Swift, people that defined and developed the Minnesota model, the field. And as a kid, I didn't really grasp the importance of it at the time. But, but because I got to work with them, I met legends in our field, the Nelson Bradleys, the Dr. James West, the Harold Hughes, the LeClaire Bissells, people that made this a, a, a field. And as I was thinking about two and a half, three years ago, I'm in the last lap of my career. And I remember what it was like in the early 80s and what a good field it was, what good work we were doing. And I kind of looked at the field and I said, isn't part of life to leave it a little bit better than the way you started? Right now, I'm kind of embarrassed to tell people what I do for a living. What a sad place to be. So I called up my good friend Mark Mishek at, at Hazelden. And we talk relatively regularly, and I said, this is so important, I want to fly out to see you. And we talked about the field. He had the same impressions and feelings that I did. And we said, what are we going to do about it? And at the time, NATAP was just getting a new executive director, a new CEO. We didn't know a whole lot about this character, Marv Ventrell. We'd heard about this guy uh, talking about ethics, Bobby Ferguson, you know, talking about ethics. And, and, and both Mark and I said, I wonder if NATAP really has the horsepower to make an impact. We weren't so sure. We weren't so sure. So we said, let's call up some people who've been around this a long time and have a meeting. And so we got a couple of people together. We said, you know, let's, let's be respectful of NATAP. Let's see if NATAP is ready to step up. And I really want to give a, a, a real shout out to Art Vanderveer and Carl Kester. Carl was the, uh, uh, the chairman of NATAP at the time. Uh, Art Vanderveer was head of the uh, public uh, policy, the ethics committee. And so we said, let's get together. We invited a few other people, uh, uh, Gary Fisher, uh, Jay, Jay Crossan, and we got together and we started talking about what we should, we should do. And we started this quality assurance initiative and I said, let's do it with, with NATAP. And as you heard over the last two days, uh, really with Marv's leadership and the, and the leadership of uh, the Ethics Committee, Quality Assurance, which now also includes, I'm really delighted, Kathy Palm is now part of this, Ed Deals part of this. Uh, Phil, uh, Phil Leeton from Rosecrans was part of that initial meeting. And we said, we're going to do something. And by God, they've done something. So my hat's off to you, Marv, Carl, uh, Art, great job. And we're going to continue moving forward. So educational goal, the only thing you're really going to focus on here, by the way, I'm going to show you a lot of slides. And I'm going to try to, do, to put uh, f seven gallons of water in a five-gallon bucket. 
So everything you see up here on the, on the slides, I'm not going to read to you. Uh, I'm going to assume most of you can read. I'm going to talk about some of the things that are up there. I'm going to highlight a few things. And the main thing I want to, that I'm going to emphasize over the next 50 minutes is the bottom word you see there, healthcare. We've got to look, act, be like healthcare. You're going, to, you're going to get tired of hearing me say that over the next 50 minutes. So I want to talk a little bit about, about how, we, how we got here. And initially, Marvin and I talked about maybe doing a his, history. Uh, a couple years ago, I did a, 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 about an hour-long talk about the history of the field at moments that changed. Any of you there two, two years ago? So, um, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I think it is important to get an idea of where we came from. And on the opening night, Marv Ventrell talked about slaying the dragon. How many of you read the slaying, the slaying the Dragon? If you haven't, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your staff, you owe it to your patients, and you really owe it to the field to know about how we got here. So please read it. Now, I'll give you an option. Uh, it's about, good God, it's like this thick, six, seven, I don't know. It, it took me so long to read it. I, I probably did a third of my career just reading the bloody thing. It's a long book. It's really well done. But I'll give you a, an out. On the Karen website, there is, you can do it in an hour if you want to go hear me talk about it uh, at the moments of change uh, two years ago. If it's fall of 2016. So if you want to just do it in an hour instead of reading a 600-page book, uh, go and look at it, look at it there. And a theme of the story, a theme of the story, and when you read this, is the two C's that I talked about, Marv talked about them on Sunday night as well, is cooperate and collaborate. When our field cooperates and collaborates, we do well. We raise the bar. We do better for our patients. We do better for our field. Competition, by the way, is good. Good competition, fair competition, because it does also raise the bar. Makes us more innovative makes us improve our facilities, makes us provide competitive salaries for our staff, provides opportunities for career growth. So good competition is still, is still important. But through it all, we have to cooperate and collaborate. I want to share with you, what does the public see in us? And, uh, you know, and again, we talked about the, you know, the John Oliver thing on, on Sunday, which I'm sure a lot of people... Uh, saw, we've talked about it a lot. I think every presentation I went to yesterday mentions to it, but I want you to kind of look at some of these areas of what the public sees in us. And the thing that I've kind of found interesting is when I talk to my friends outside of this field, outside of recovery, they really don't pay a whole lot of attention to what we do until it's a crisis. And so they're kind of flying around here, and the things they see are these you know, various kind of news reports, and they see things about ethics and stuff. I want to just highlight really a couple of things on here. One, they see this sort of debate going on in the media between modalities. I mean, our local paper is talking constantly about how treatment in Pennsylvania is so terrible because they don't use medication-assisted treatment appropriately. Now, if you're an average person reading this, what's your view of treatment in Pennsylvania? Probably not very good. Probably not very scientific. You don't read all the details. I mean, these articles are long. Think about even the stuff you read in the newspaper. You probably don't read all this stuff if it isn't pertinent to you. So you glance through this stuff, walk away is, these guys don't know what they're doing. 
There's also articles. Uh, if you saw the, the John Oliver thing, they talk about uh, you know, Tom McClellan's in there and, and talks about how as a, an expert in the field, he didn't know where to go for his own son. Uh, Tom McClellan's a good friend. And, and some of his quotes and comments to the media just really does our field a lot of disservice. Uh, the one he said a couple years ago when he talked about staff was how you know, anybody with a pair of sunglasses and a GED and a little bit of recovery can be a counselor. What a disservice to our field. And I talked to Tom about that, and he says, well, they interview me for a long time, and I, this gets taken out of context, which I'll give him the doubt because he's a good guy, and I know he cares about what we do. But when you see and hear some of those things, we have to all be very careful about what we say to the, to the media. But at the end of the day, what does the public really see about us? It's all about money. Three major reasons that 90% of the people who suffer from substance use treatment disorder this year in our country will not get treatment. Number one is still stigma and denial. Number two is funding. And number three is they don't think it'll work. They don't think it'll work. So we've got to do something about that. This was a real sad commentary just last fall. And you don't have to read this, but notice who it was full-page ad in the New York Times. Anyone remember this last, last fall? Christopher Smithers, son of Brinkley Smithers, one of our pioneers, founding fathers of recovery in the United States. His son saying, you know what? The treatment field has contributed to the opioid problem in the United States. And he felt so strongly about it, he paid for a full-page ad in the New York Times. I don't know what that costs, but that's a pretty passionate feeling if you're willing, willing to do that. So here we are. And for those of us that have been at this a long time, you know, it feels a lot like the 1980s. However, remember when we were kids, you know, same as the, you know, what's the second first? Uh, whole, same as the first, a whole lot louder and a whole lot worse. Um, this is a lot worse for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a lot bigger. Number two, it has much more public notice to it. But there's some good news this time. The good news this time is NATAP is doing something about it. And that's what we want to talk about, doing something about it. In fact, it was so bad in the late, eight, late 1980s that by the mid-1990s, and I know many of you are in this room because it was, we were the same people that were in the room in the mid-90s. A NATAP conference in the mid-90s had about two dozen people. And it's kind of neat that probably a good dozen of you are still here today. It was so bad, I remember, and I, and I should have probably checked on his name, uh, but in 1995 at a NATAP conference, it was probably about seven or eight years after the two books. Remember the book Rehab, which kind of had all the treatment centers listed, and then there was a book called The 100 Best Tr Treatment Centers in the Country? Our director, one of Marv Ventrell's predecessors, said, the field is so bad, I'm going to write a book called The the hundred last treatment centers in the United States. What a commentary about where we were. So the glass may be half empty because a whole lot louder and a whole lot worse, but the glass is half full. We've got an association this time that's able to do something about it. So I mentioned healthcare. We're going to talk a lot about healthcare because if you look at how we have promoted health, how we've promoted substance use treatment over the last 15 years, it does feel more like a timeshare or a vacation than healthcare. 
And we need to understand a couple of pieces, legal and ethics, words that get thrown around a lot. By the way, legal is real simple. It's what the law says. There are lawyers, there are judges, there's penalties if you violate the law. Ethics is what's the right thing to do. And here's the tricky part. Who gets to decide what's the right thing to do? So we want to talk about the importance of, of standards and where they, where they come from. I want to talk, say just a couple things about the law first. Uh, and I'm going to start at the bottom of this and kind of work my way up. And I've heard a couple of people talk about this, but this made it real simple for me. And I'm not going to talk about what I would call when you get to the top, kind of the willful disregard for law, you know, there's a whole other class above that called the pathological ones. And so I'm talking about these three apply to us and people like us when it comes to the law. And I'm going to use uh, driving as a, as a great example of this. Uh, most of us good people, if we go to, and we think of the speed limit, what are the reasons that we might speed? I mean, oftentimes I know I'm driving along and I didn't see a speed limit sign. So I'm going faster than the speed limit because I never saw it, ignorance. There's times when I've sat standstill traffic for bloody half an hour and the speed limit's 55 and I say, you know what, I should be able to drive 60 or 70 at least for a little while to kind of make up for having a standard. So the end kind of justifies the means. And there's other times when I might just say, you know what, the likelihood of getting caught is so slim or if I do get caught, the penalty is so mediocre compared to, you know what, it's okay. And I would contend that many of us doing good work as it relates to the law have probably fallen into some of those categories, probably mostly in the first one. And I want to give you some examples of that. Until we really started looking at this ethical dilemma I had no idea, and I don't know about you, but I, I'm not a lawyer, so I had no idea that there were all these laws out there that pertain to healthcare, marketing, and billing. By the way, uh, we actually, for your convenience, have an overview of every one of these, and, and at the bottom there, if you want to go to karen.org slash natap2018, you can actually get an overview of this. I would suggest to you that you do not need to know all these laws, but let me also say this, somebody in your organization does. You've been listening to a portion of the NAATP Quality Assurance Initiative presentation and the tradition of value-based addiction treatment. And that was Doug Tiemann, who is the CEO of Karen Treatment Centers. That was one of the plenary sessions at the NAATP 40th Leadership Conference. For more information about the National Association of Addiction Treatment Providers, check out their website, NAATP.org. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. Thanks for joining us.
You've been listening to Recovery Coast to Coast. Recovery Coast to Coast is heard nightly from 10 p.m. till midnight Pacific time, Monday through Friday from Seattle, Washington. Carried live on 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington and heard nationally in streaming audio. For information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows as well as find information on upcoming programs. Please join us next time when we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. The bright side of addiction is recovery.